Hello, I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, creator of the Incandescent Radio Network, here with my friend and colleague, Tony Farmer, host of the Black Lives Matter radio show. We are thrilled you are here with us today. So let's get started. Live on Facebook. Hello, and welcome to the Black Lives Matter radio show tonight. It is February 28th. I am Hope Katz Gibbs, founder of Incandescent PR, Incandescent Radio, and Incandescent TV. And we are here on the Black Lives Matter radio show with our host, Tony Farmer, and our special guest, Galen Bingham, a certified executive coach who offers insight from 30 years of operating experience with Fortune 500 companies and five years of experience as a retail franchise owner. So we're very much looking forward to hearing all about that. This man is known as the leadership strategist. And Tony, please tell us all more about that. Take it away. <laughs> well, Galen, first of all, thank you for uh, accepting our invitation to join us on Black Lives Matter Radio. The purpose of the show is twofold. One is to give people awareness, give our audience awareness of all the wonderful thing, wonderful things that African-Americans are doing and, and to raise awareness to some of the issues that African-Americans have to deal with and overcome and, and how we progress in this society. The other is to talk deep about things that impact us as we travel along whatever path that we're on. And so one of the things that I'm most proud of in our association is you have done or, or are doing so many of the things that I have on my goal sheet. And so I'm, I'm so happy and pleased to be talking to you and having this conversation. Let me start here. You are a, an author, you're a speaker, you are a podcaster, you are an executive coach, you're an entrepreneur. And I'm gonna break those things down a little bit so that people can understand who you are, what you're about, and what you, what you represent. Let's start here. I'm gonna take you back to your association with the National Public Speakers Association and tell us a little, about, little bit about the community that you developed there with some other public speakers that you encountered. Yeah, so uh, first of all, I'm so excited to be a part of this, of this conversation. Thank you so much for thinking of me and for inviting me. Anytime I get to hang out with, with you, Tony, I, I, I treat that as a gift. And I hope uh, just absolutely a, a fan of everything that you're doing. And again, just so honored to be part of this conversation. And yeah, you know, so just for me, just 30 years in corporate America, uh, working for some of the biggest brands on the planet, spent five years with Kraft Foods, uh, almost 22 years with Coca-Cola Company, spent a few years running a division of the Imperial Sugar Company, and, you know, just, just decided that I probably wasn't going to be uh, of the cut to retire from corporate America. I, I just didn't see there being a retirement party and a, and a gold watch for me. Right. And, and <laughs> right. so I um, followed some advice of a, of a really close colleague uh, who uh, had just become a member of the National Speakers Association. And so I followed her and I joined the, the organization and was a member, but I wasn't really active. You know, I just kind of had it on my, uh, on my resume that I was a member 
paid my dues, but that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, as it got time for me to actually transition from corporate America, uh, I decided, let me go ahead and do this thing. I mean, if, if in fact I'm going to be the next Les Brown or I'm, I'm going to be the next Anthony Robbins or Brian Tracy or whatever the case is, I need to go ahead and get involved. And uh, I went to a national conference that we held in, in 2017, didn't really know what to expect or what to, what to look for. And uh, they were forming an, an, an affinity group uh, within the National Speakers Association. Uh, so it was the Black National Speakers Association. And from there, I, I really found my tribe. All those people that I, that I was saying that I, I wanted to uh, learn from, Dr. Willie Jolly, uh, Del Toro McNeil, they were literally sitting two rows ahead of me. And, you know, Del Toro McNeil, literally, I, I literally bumped into Del Toro McNeil, right? And so all of these people were right there within, within arm's reach and uh, was able to uh, make the acquaintance of uh, Ms. Ann McNeil, who was really kind of leading this effort to, to study uh, Think and Grow Rich. And, and she's got a personal connection with Les Brown. So now all of the excuses <laughs> that I had erected for myself, uh, they began to, to wither away. And um, as I got closer to understanding what it took for those for those icons in the business to become icons in the business, uh, I, I, I gained a better clarity of what my calling is. And my calling and your calling is not to be another version of someone else. Uh, it's, it's not to be a, 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 the next Les Brown or the next whoever. It's to be the original ourselves. Right. And uh, that was where that clarity really came. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just I, I really honor and appreciate the journey. Uh, I, I'm certainly not in the place that I expected that that I would be, but I, I believe I'm in the place where I'm supposed to be. One of the things I wanted to highlight about that story is, again, being somebody who's following in the footsteps of a Les Brown, of a Ann McNeil, of a Galen Bingham, of a Walter Braun, and all those others who bring wonderful motivational messages to whoever there uh, have the fortune to have an audience. What I'm hearing you say is when you joined the National Speakers Association, it was populated by people that didn't necessarily look like you. And Ms. Ann McNeil took it upon herself to develop an affinity group. How did that make you feel and how did it impact your work moving forward? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know that Ann developed, I don't know that she created the, the uh, Black National Speakers Association, but she was definitely a pivotal part of my coming into that association. And it was just, it was really empowering because like I said, for the most part, all of these iconic people were just on a YouTube page for me, right? right. They were on they were on DVD uh, images. You know, I would listen to them uh, on the radio, that kind of thing. But here I could reach out, touch, ask questions of, get advice from, and, and really see what it takes to become what they have become. And um, that, that meant the world of difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, as I said before, that really just solidified that uh, the chance of there being another Les Brown, yeah. the chance of there being another Del Toro McNeil um, is, is there are two chances, slim and none, right? But pick either <laughs> of those chances. But and Slim just left town. Slim left town, right? <laughs> and none is looking kind of shady. Uh, but, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, but the opportunity 
the opportunity is wide open for there to be an original Galen Bingham. And they're taking yes. applications and I just happen to have all the yeah. qualifications. I just need to step into that space. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing that I got from hanging out with, um, and, and by hanging out, you know, none of these iconic people, few of these aren't iconic people would know my first name, but just right. from watching them and, and getting a backstage view of what it takes to be who they are and where they are, that, that really did impress upon me the importance of getting really, really good at being me as opposed yes. to trying to trying to be something else. Well, one of the things that I love most about you, Galen, is that I have never had a conversation with you um, from the time we met until now where I didn't sense that you were very authentic, right? And so one of the things I want to touch on a little bit is you live in St. Louis, which many people may or may not know is really close to Ferguson. And a lot of the conversations that Hope and I have had, and the reason why we started this Black Lives Matter radio show program is because of, in, in part, in large part, due to the death of George Floyd. Tell us how you navigated those waters as a professional, as a coach, and as a person who's really trying to do some very positive things, not just for yourself, but for the community. Yeah, you know, very, very good question. And, and I think for me, um, it, it really, started, um, uh, I felt the most conviction with Mike Brown, because Mike yeah. Brown specifically here in Ferguson. So here I, you know, I had just moved to St. Louis and Ferguson didn't even know where Ferguson was. I just knew that it was somewhere in the outskirts of St. Louis and um, just had started befriending a lot of people in the area. And when that happened, Mike Brown's attorney, personal family attorney, happened to be a fraternity brother and a friend of mine that I had just met. And when all of that started happening, he asked if his daughter could stay with us while she, while they were going through, uh, you know, trying to manage some of the early onset uh, issues with trying to navigate that. And so that made that very tangible for me. And, and I'm going to be totally honest. Um, I felt a, a little conviction. Here I am trying to build myself as, as the leadership strategist, and I'm offering no leadership support towards this issue at all, right? Mm -hmm. At that time, again, I, you know, I was really focused on how do I get my name out there? How do I build my presence? How do I become, um, you know, as important as I think I should be? And for me, that was, that was the beginning of this turning point of um, my space is in helping people get to where they're trying to get to where they're trying to go. And from there, uh, I, I really started managing a lot of conversations, a lot of DEI type conversations with organizations and with individuals. Uh, I had a number of people call me up of, of every ethnicity from all over the country saying, you know, Galen, I don't know what to make of this, but uh, I know that um, you um, have a clarity that I might benefit from. And so I just gathered a bunch of my friends together across all ethnicities, and we just had the conversation. And not with the expectation that we would come up with any answers, but that we might, with any luck, zero in on, on a couple of the right questions. And uh, that was really kind of my effort in the, in the initial stages. Today, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is a big part of the work that I do with organizations. Um, because that fits squarely under my focus on leadership. How can I help leaders be more effective? 
uh, and um, you know, a big part of that is is racial equity and inclusion. Uh, another big part of that is emotional intelligence, uh, because they both kind of intersect with how do we understand unconscious bias and make sure that unconscious bias isn't affecting these decisions that we make, uh, you know, when we're running organizations. You and I could have uh, an hour or a day long conversation about unconscious bias, and, and one day we will. <laughs> we have to put that on our, our uh, schedule of things to do, um, because I have a, a really strong opinion on that and, and some things that I teach and, and mentor others in, in that space. But let's focus on the work a little bit. Uh, before we got uh, went live on Facebook, you were sharing with us that you were coming to the end of a weekend where you were uh, leading a group of men or one of the leaders amongst a group of men uh, where you were doing a retreat. Um, my sense was it was a spiritual retreat. And you said, you said, right at the end, you got hacked, yeah. which, you know, and, and when the hack happened, these vulgar, you know, very graphic things started showing up and you said with a smile, you said with a smile, our work is not done. We still have a lot of work to do. Tell me about that experience and tell me how you received it and tell me what you think we need to do next. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it, it, it's very easy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about myself here for a second. It's very easy for me um, to at times wonder if the work that, I, that I'm excited about doing is really relevant, right? And I get excited about it. And, um, you know, my mom will get excited about it because I'm doing it. And that's about right. it, right? <laughs> and it's easy for it to stop there. And, right. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this retreat. And let me just give you the backdrop to this retreat. It's, it's um, uh, about six or seven, I think maybe eight uh, pastors, men, ministers, elders, and me, right? And I don't fit into either of those categories. Um, and we're just talking about what does it mean to be a man in today's world? And so I'm, I'm sharing what I've learned. I'm sharing what I've experienced. I'm sharing my perspective. And it's things that I've said a hundred, a hundred times to, you know, over the past two weeks. And it's just easy for me to, to think this doesn't resonate to anyone except for me and my wife, me and my mom. Right. But when that happened, that really reinforced to me that there are a lot of people out there that take issue with anything that you do that would mean um, someone um, feeling free to express their thoughts, right? You know, I, I use the analogy of, uh, of sports a lot. I uh, played sports when I was in high school and played basketball when I was in college. And um, one of the things that I share is that, you know, you, you can always tell when you're, when you're playing against someone who might be better, might be a little bit better than you. Yes. All right. When, yes. when they're not quite as good as you or when they're not, when you, when you clearly have more ability, you know, you, you really don't concern yourself with them. You just go do yeah. your thing. Yeah. But when you can tell that someone is is better or they're threatening that's when you start talking that's when you start uh, making comments you try you try to get it to their head because you're concerned about your ability to compete if you actually competed from a meritocracy standpoint and that's exactly what i took um, took that experience as you know if we were just talking nonsense 
uh, then it would have gone off flawlessly. They would have gotten in, they would have noticed that we were talking nonsense and it wouldn't have been worth their time. But because we were doing something positive, because we were trying to forward a message that would mean something, uh, that's when they continue to try to uh, derail us from our, our mission. Um, I, I believe, I, I don't know this to be a fact uh, because it hasn't been proven yet, but I haven't found evidence that it's not true. I believe that um, we are each given a mission. We're each given this ability, this thing that we believe we're supposed to do. And then once we understand what that mission is, I think the rest of the world is trying to convince you or trying to talk you down off of your mission. They're trying to um, get you to back down. They're trying to get you to say, well, maybe I'm not qualified to do this thing uh, that, that God or the infinite or however you call your creator uh, has given me. And our job is to hold on to that mission. Our job is to hold on to that dream, to reinforce it, to get more, more training so that we can execute against it. And uh, I think that's exactly what was happening uh, not even an hour ago. Yeah, uh, the thing that struck me most of us when you were sharing with Hope and I what happened, you, you were saying it with a smile. And I know what it is, you know, I, I played athletic, I was in athletics for a long time and then coaching. There is something to knowing that you have taken somebody's best shot, right? And 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 you're still and you're still moving and you're still in your groove and you're still in your zone. There, there's a smile. So when you smiled as you were talking to us, you know, I, I hope was like, oh my God, it was horrible. Uh, and I was thinking the same. You were like, yeah, work to do, <laughs> right? Didn't <laughs> didn't didn't move me off my spot. You know, didn't make me miss my shot. You know, I I, I went into the paint and did what I had to do anyway. So. I, I love that analogy. Galen, talk to us about the Think and Grow Rich Mastermind. I um, I read Think and Grow Rich for the first time about seven, eight years ago and had some very definite opinions, used it in my own coaching. And then I and then I met you. <laughs> and and it is not it is not an exaggeration to say that you took something that I had read and kind of put on the shelf and was collecting dust. You took that, that mindset back out. You, you dusted it off and you, you know, put steroids and, and turbo turbos into it and really launched this different way of thinking and this different way of viewing the world and business and, and money, in fact, and how you deal with people. It, the Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is not just about money and wealth. It really is about relationships. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about Think and Grow Rich and the masterminds that you have decided to run for people who are interested in growing your business and growing themselves. Yeah, you know, much like you, I, I, I first read Think and Grow Rich, uh, I think back in 1991. Uh, and then my dad got me a version of this brand new book that had just come out, uh, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice by Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. And so I read that uh, and it just kind of sat on my shelf, right? Uh, because Think and Grow Rich is one of those books that, uh, you know, anyone who considers himself to be a well-read, intelligent professional, uh, you have there are certain books that you have to check off and, and say that you've read. And so I read enough of it so that I could feel comfortable saying, okay, let me check that, you know, check that box. And if someone ever asked me a question, I had a couple of you know phrases that I could kick out 
to give them confidence. Yeah, he, he's read the book, but I, I didn't really give it much more than that. And um, you know, when, when I um, joined the the Black National Speakers Association, uh, they were getting ready to do this deep dive uh, into Think and Grow Rich, and I saw it as a great opportunity for me just to, to get to know people at a deeper level, more personal level, plus really study this book that you know I hadn't read for you know 20 plus years. And uh, that was my intent when I went into it. And when I got into it, the way that um, through Ann McNeil's leadership and others, the way that they were going through it, the way that they were applying it to life, it really did become apparent to me that uh, this is the formula for how to live life on purpose. And I like to say that any of us can have success by accident, right? You could, you could happen to run out of gas and roll into a gas station and say, hey, let's spend the extra two bucks on that lottery ticket, scratch off a few numbers and get some money. Anyone, any of us can be successful by accident, but can you be successful on purpose? And this, uh, the way that we go through it, uh, it really is about yeah, understanding the concepts, but how do you apply it to your life? What does this really mean? And, and how can you apply this to being successful uh, on purpose? And uh, whether or not I believe it, whether or not I understand it, I, I don't know that that matters a whole lot. The fact is they work. These are principles, right. these are laws. And um, you know, I, analogize, I analogize this to gravity uh, all the time. You don't have to believe in gravity. You don't even have to understand it. But if you jump out of a uh, jump out of a six story window, guess what? <laughs> Whether you believe it or not, gravity is right. going to take over. Right. And I think the same the same seems to be true with these principles. Um, uh, this is my my sixth time going through this book in this level of detail, and I'm going to tell you that there are things I still don't understand why they work. Uh, I just know that they seem to work, and um, if they seem to work. Uh, as my, my brother says a lot, it can't be possible that they work for everyone except you. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it, they can't work for everyone except you. Yeah. And nice. uh, the more that I have uh, followed these principles, uh, the more that they have worked for including me and right. other people around me as well. So um, every time I go through this, I, I end up, you know, there's this task where you have to set a specific amount of money that you want to achieve during this time period. And every time I set that goal, I get to the end of that time period and I wish I had set a higher goal <laughs> every time. It, it never fails. No matter how crazy, how aggressive I set that goal, I end up wishing I'd set a higher one. That, that's awesome. It's time for me, uh, as I like to do for every guest, for me to kind of throw you a curveball. Okay. The purpose the, the curveball is to make you smile, right? And, and, and make you laugh and to, to, to have you to reminisce on wonderful things that you have done and continue to do. Tell Hope and our listeners about whiskey and jazz. <laughs> you know, there, there's actually a story behind this. Um, so I, I, just, I just launched a brand new podcast. Uh, I think January 1 was my launch date. And that podcast is called Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. And uh, I'll tell you how this came about because it's kind of an interesting name for a podcast. Um, I 
had launched a podcast maybe four years ago and it is it's still out there a lot of really really good stuff it's called the leadership toolbox and you know i, I bring in a lot of inspiration from uh, everyone from steve jobs to warren buffett to people that i've met les brown i talk about him and just really really great uh inspiration uh but um and i've got maybe 70 or 80 episodes out there and I think I've got maybe, I don't know, 350 downloads, you know, so they, I understand they manage, they measure downloads. Yeah. Determine the, the significance of the podcast. So I probably got maybe 350, maybe 400 downloads against 80 different episodes. And um, I, I had a conversation with some of this DEI work that I was doing uh, for uh, a company that I just joined. And um, I, I came in and was doing the work and uh, delivering the content. And, and there's this idea that my, my pastor gave me uh, several years ago. He said, you know, instead of doing the real thing, uh, very often we, we do something similar to the real thing. So we're, we're not really engaging like we should, but we're doing something that feels like we're engaging. Right. And right. so um, as an African-American in corporate America, I'd gotten pretty good and doing something similar too, right? right? And I had been doing that. And so we got into this DEI work uh, where we're talking about race in particular. It was immediately after uh, George Floyd. And um, there were some things that I was supposed to present. I had presented, you know, I don't know, to a couple hundred different clients, um, but I was presenting this content. And one of the managing directors afterwards said, you know, Galen, you know, you're doing some good stuff. You're, you're obviously capable, but you, you seem to be holding back. There's something that you're not giving us. And I don't know what it is, but whatever it is that you're holding back, I want you to feel uh, free to give that to us because there's value there. And um, I can't tell you what it is. I don't know what it is. I just sense that it's something. And um, this was a you know white lady saying this to me, she was older. And my in my bravado, um, you know, I was respectful and polite and thank you so much for the feedback. But when I hung up the phone in my bravado, I was like, this lady has no idea, you know, who she's, how dare she? She don't, right? Right. But then I spent some time thinking about how that's what I have been doing. That's how I've survived corporate America, giving something similar to. And so from that point on, I just decided that I would no longer give something similar to, I was going to give the real thing, just share what's on my mind, how it comes. And right. if that doesn't work, then that doesn't work and we'll deal with the ramifications. And then I started, um, I, I was charged with doing another episode of my podcast and it just didn't feel right. right. It didn't feel right. And so I launched a brand new podcast um, it's called Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership because I like whiskey, I like <laughs> jazz, and I like leadership. And right. those are things that um, could be problematic if you're trying to get back into corporate America to share. Yeah. Um, but with this podcast, um, the task is to um, give straight talk that, that folks can't hear other, you know, anywhere else. Right. And so we talk about things that you can't get from anywhere else. We talk about what it means to be an African-American corporate America. We talk about what it means to be a woman 
in corporate America. We talk about uh, things that um, would be taboo to talk about um, uh, across a uh, corporate board table. So that's what it is. And I'm having a lot of fun. I've got 19 episodes and I've got 1,250 downloads. Nice. Versus nice. the 450, uh, which I'm still not convinced that my mom probably did like a good. <laughs> a, a good you think mom downloaded 300 and maybe had a, actually 150, maybe? My mom thinks I'm brilliant, man. <laughs> right. But if, if you don't have mom resonating. support, then what are you going to do, right? I, th I think people are resonating with the fact that I'm having fun mm -hmm. being free. And it's, it, it, it is my, um, my coming out um, publication, so to speak. Yeah. And we hear from senior vice presidents of, of technology companies. Uh, I, you know, I've had a conversation with authors. I've had a conversation with executive coaches that have been doing this thing for a really, really long time. I'm going to have a conversation uh, with um, this guy who is a 30-year executive at the highest possible levels with IBM. I mean, you can't get more corporate uh, business than IBM. I mean, they were the definition of, of corporate. Uh, and we're just having real conversations. Now, Galen, this may be the most important question that I ask you during this, the course of this conversation. What is your favorite whiskey? Oh my gosh. You know, this is, you're asking me to choose my, choose my, uh, my favorite child. I, I'll tell you, <laughs> okay. I, I'll tell you my favorite. This is my favorite. And it saddens me to say this actually, uh, because I can't find it in anywhere anymore. And when I can find it, they want my left leg, my right arm and my firstborn child. Yes. And that's E.H. Yes. E. Taylor barrel proof. So E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof is my absolute favorite. Uh, you can find the E.H. Taylor Small Batch mm -hmm. every now and then, but that Barrel Proof, oh my gosh, yeah. that's, that's the real thing. There are others that I'm enjoying right now, but that E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof. So, so the E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof is, is the top, top of the line, for and, me. Then, and then you settle for the other ones, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've got a couple others that are really, really good, but man, if if I find the last time I was in uh, California, I walked into a store and they had like six bottles of E.H. Taylor Taylor barrel proof and they were selling it for retail. So they didn't mark it up. It was retail. And when I saw it, I literally this is gonna, you're going to think this is crazy. I literally looked over my shoulder <laughs> to see if anyone was. I mean, clearly, this has got to be one of those, you know, you've been punked type of right. or, or Or somebody was drunk when they marked it, right? <laughs> so I bought all I could, all I could fit in my carry-on. <laughs> well, well, it's again, this is uh, one of the things that is evident that you and I were meant to be connected because uh, when I was a drinker, not so much now, uh, whiskey was my favorite. And uh, and, my, and it took me to meet my wife for me to understand the difference between top shelf and bottom shelf. <laughs> top, top shelf, less headaches, bottom shelf, more headaches, right? That is it, man. That is it. Our wives will always make it very apparent what the higher level is. Won't they? Oh, my goodness. My wife for sure upgraded me. That's, that's a whole nother uh, show. Um, tell us how you got into coaching. Yeah. So. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, 
the, the story is when you're in corporate America, if you've got direct reports and you're giving advice, they call that coaching. They're, they're saying, you know, you provided some coaching to your employee. Mm -hmm. And so when it was time for me to leave corporate America, and it was clear to me that uh, I wasn't going to be the next Les Brown. There was not going to be another <laughs> Les Brown. Right, right. Uh, I, I, I decided to hang my shingle out as a coach. And, you know, just okay. like I gave my, uh, just as I gave my employees advice on how to do things, I'll, I'll do that for myself. I'll give clients advice on how to do things. And so I, I got connected with uh, a couple of different professional coaches and was just hanging out with them and we would meet every, every couple of uh, every couple of days and so eventually they said you know hey galen um you're kind of a cool dude could see that you've got a passion for this stuff but if you're going to call yourself a coach you you actually need to go get the training to be a coach and it, you know instead of what you're doing now and again i was offended i'm like dude I, you know <laughs> what, what are you talking about i've been doing this stuff but i'll right. go get the training just because I mean, this seems to be a big deal to you. I'll go get the training. And I went into the training and it was like a 10 week program. And literally the first day they helped me understand the definition of training versus consulting and advising. Yeah. And at that point I realized I knew nothing about coaching and all what I had been doing all those years was advising mm. and there's space for that as long as I'm trying to advise someone to do something that I had already done. Yeah. Uh, but once we got into an area that I had not been before, I was kind of done, I was kind of tapped out. Mm -hmm. And when I got into coaching, I understood that coaching is about a process. It's really not about sharing your wisdom, sharing your advice. As a matter of fact, you, you'll get one of those demerits Oh, if you, if sure. you share your opinion, share your advice, sure, my job sure. as a coach is to help my clients navigate through uh, the noise that we all have at times so that they can get back to what they already know they need to do. Yeah. And um, today I can tell you, uh, unlike three years ago, I do my best coaching in industries that I know nothing about. Yeah. Because yeah. when I know nothing about the industry, I have nothing to rely on except my process. Right. And um, that's usually where I show up uh, and um, had, had a uh, short story, had a situation literally last Friday where I had a client who is the COO of a, a massive hotel, uh, a massive hospital industry, uh, a hospital um, network system. So she's got several hospitals reporting to her and she is the operating the chief operating officer for that network and we had a session and we started out and she said you know hey here are my challenges this is what i'm up against and uh, here are the pressures that i'm facing and inside my head i'm thinking i see why you need a coach for that because that <laughs> that's a doozy right? Right. i have right. I, I got no advice for you i can't right. tell you what to do uh and so i had no choice but to get locked into the coaching process yeah. and stay really, really focused on helping her navigate her own thoughts. And by the end of that uh, 90 minute session, uh, she ended up saying, oh my God, that was amazing. Now I know exactly what I need to do. Galen, this was an absolute fantastic use of my time. And yeah. that's because I had nothing but the process. Right.
I had no advice. I had never ever experienced what she was describing to me, but the process helped her uh, figure out where, what she needed to do and, and, and the uh, accountability uh, that she needed in order to be successful. Yet, yet another reason why you are my idol and, uh, and really uh, on the Mount Rushmore of people that I hold important in my life. So uh, Galen, we have a tradition with the Black Lives Matter radio show here. And uh, those of who, who are regular listeners have, you know, kind of gotten used to how we do this. Uh, I kind of tee up, you know, the conversation and it's been a wonderful conversation. Uh, again, you and I could talk for, for days and, and uh, I see you and I sitting down and having a conversation over some whiskey here soon. But anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> we, we usually round out the show with a question or questions from Hope. So I'll turn it over to Hope for her to ask you uh, questions and then to wrap us up. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tony. This is just great. Galen, you're fabulous. I'm thrilled that you're on the show with us. So I have, I do, I have two questions this evening. One is go back to Think and Grow Rich. Give us one tip that we can take away tonight that we can all incorporate into our lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything starts with desire. And uh, you have to have this burning, you know, Napoleon Hill talks about burning desire because there are so many things that are going to come your way that if you don't have a burning desire, you're going you're gonna to choose those excuses every time. And for me, uh, well, Napoleon Hill says that that's the starting point of all achievement. And for me, that links uh, very, very uh, closely with emotional intelligence, which I spent two years studying emotional intelligence, neuroscience, and how the brain works. And the brain likes to be safe. So whatever it can tell you, whatever it can do to make sure that you're not um, physically in danger, emotionally in danger, uh, financially in danger, uh, in danger in any regard, it's going to highlight that as the option to take. And uh, Napoleon Hill, if we go back to thinking we're rich, says you need to have a desire and get really, really clear on what it is that you're trying to accomplish uh, and not only can it be a, not only must it uh, be a desire, it needs to be a burning desire. Uh, it, he uses the analogy of burning the ships uh, when, Cort when Cortez decided that he wanted to conquer this land. Uh, not only did he want to send a message to his, um, his um, soldiers that failure was not an option, he uh, sent the orders to burn the ships that carried them over to this land. So the only way to survive is to go through the people that have this land that we want. Uh, and although that's a, a gruesome uh, story, it sends this message that um, if, there is a, if there is an option for failure, we will choose it. And uh, the burning desire is the antidote for that. Oh, that's so beautiful. I really appreciate that. There's some, you know, I'm working here to build a retreat center where I am in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and I keep hitting these obstacles and I'm like, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to write that down. Burning desire, right? So thank yeah. you. And my final question of the evening is what's next for you? Wow. That's a, that's a great question. I, I am, um, I'm currently running a, uh, a masterclass uh, on Think and Grow Rich and, and that is a lot of fun. I'm also doing a lot of work with clients around leadership development. So the way that I work with clients, uh, they give me four topics, four issues that they have in their business. 
and I develop a program custom-made, tailor-made to them to help their organization either learn that skill or get over that challenge. Um, and so my dream is to build a leadership academy where I'm taking all of this work that I've done, all this wisdom that I've gained, I'm taking the actual challenges that I'm getting from clients, I'm packaging that into a retreat that people can go in, uh, go, uh, go through, get the benefits of, although they may or may not work for these organizations that are bringing me in to talk. Uh, to, to talk to them about their issues and needs. So that's that's what I'm that's what's in the back of my mind. That's what I'm I'm doing this work for, and I'm really really excited about it. Well, that's excellent. That's excellent. So Tony, do you have any final questions for our wonderful guest this evening? No, other than Galen, you know I love you to life. Uh, I am such a supporter of everything that you are doing. I am a student of Galen's. I'm in one of his mastermind. Uh, classes and and honored that he has me uh, be part of the conversation. He's done so much, um, actually things that he doesn't even, uh, he's probably not even completely aware of to inspire me uh, to be the best that I can be. I have no more questions. The only thing that I will say is thank you, my friend. Um, so much more to come. Very excited about all the things that are unfolding in your life and and how if I continue to uh, meet the mark to be the best Tony I can be per Galen Bingham's advice, then uh, you and I will be part of a community of people and uh, trying to develop uh, people no matter what, what their walk of life is. So uh, thank you. You have been listening to the Black Lives Matter radio show with my co-host and I, uh, Hope Gibbs and Tony Farmer. Our wonderful guest this evening, uh, Ms. Galen Bingham. Thank you again, Galen, for being with us. Uh, God bless. Uh, have a wonderful evening. Yes. Thank you all for Take listening. Care. Tune back again every Saturday night, 6 p.m. usually Eastern time. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, Tony Farmer, and Galen Bingham. We'll talk to you soon. Stay well. So that's all for today's episode of the Black Lives Matter radio show on incandescentradio.com. We have an amazing lineup of future guests, just like you heard on today's show. So be sure to tune in for another episode and tell your friends about us so they can listen too. If you or someone you know should be a guest on our show, send me an email, hopecatsgibbs at gmail.com, and we'll be in touch. Again, this is blacklivesmatterradioshow.com on the Incandescent Radio Network. We look forward to talking to you. Until then, stay safe and be well.